Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Babylon has fallen, amen. And usually Babylon does not fall without a fight. Babylon always wants to put up a fight, hallelujah. And I'm sure as you're taking this, this message into your heart and, and trying to apply it and make things happen for you and the Lord, you are experiencing a lot of difficulties because this enemy, my friend, won't leave you just like that. Amen. Welcome to the battle. Amen. Revelation chapter number nine. I read from verse number one all the way down to verse number 21. Hear the word of the Lord. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree. But only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The, word, the first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mountain troops was Twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. All men are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we pray, may you speak to us. May you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated.
when all hell breaks loose, when all hell breaks loose, I don't know if you're noticing it, but it looks like the, the more time goes, the more we're living on this earth, the more weird, the more bizarre it is, bizarre it is getting. It is like the enemy, the uh, Satan and his hordes really are getting more and more advanced. I mean, who would have thought that we would live in a day and an age when people would like to kill other people living with albinism and so that they can use them for magic potions? I mean, who would have thought that? And I don't know about you, but it's like almost every time that I pass somebody living with albinism, I, 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 I get scared because I don't know if that person is going to be attacked and, you know, his body parts are going to be used for some magic potion so that the person who, who kills that person or uses that magic potion can get rich. But these are the times when all hell is breaking loose. I mean, even when we read this passage, it's like these things are already happening. It's like the demons are, are taking over already. And you know, when I look at this passage and think about what it teaches, I think what it says is, when all hell breaks loose, it's time to serve God. When all hell breaks loose, it's time to serve God. And, 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 and why should, should we say that it is time to serve God? I believe there are also three reasons that we find in here about when all hell breaks loose. Number one, when all hell breaks loose, demons are loosed. When all hell breaks loose, demons are loose. So verse number one, we're told, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth and was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now remember again, chapter number nine or the chapters that you find in the Bible, they're not really inspired. They're not there by the order of the Holy Spirit or of God. These are chapters and verses that somebody put on into these books that are in the Bible. And so at times you find them kind of like uh, at the wrong place. And so we find ourselves here that we're in the fifth, uh, we're in the fifth trumpet. And you'll have thought maybe the whole chapter will have, will have started from the first trumpet and flowing all the way down. Right, But that's the way we have it. There are four trumpets that have happened before. And these trumpet judgments, remember, they're judgments of God coming upon the people of the earth. Right? And John, in his book, the Revelation or the Apocalypse, is given all these visions by God through Jesus and through an angel to tell him what is going to take place afterward. Right? And so when you come to chapter number 9, we are talking about the fifth trumpet and you are given another vision. It says... The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven, falling from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Again, we're given a picture of the throne of God that in chapter number 8, that uh, before the throne of God are these seven angels that have these seven trumpets, which are really judgments that God is bringing on the earth. And this fifth angel blows his trumpet, and a star, he sees a star falling from heaven. Now, usually stars in Revelation are angels. In chapter number one, uh, it is explained that Jesus is the one that holds the seven stars. And the seven stars there uh, are said to be the angels of the churches. And so what we're seeing here is an angelic being. Now, some people say if, uh, if this is an angelic being that has fallen from heaven, oh, well, it's like Satan who has fallen from heaven in Revelation chapter number 12. And so this may actually be uh, a, a demonic angel that uh, is fallen from heaven and is given the keys to their beast. Other people say, well, uh, God in Revelation does not really have his work done by a demon. Right? But that's besides the point. The point is, there is this angel that has been given the key to the bottomless pit. 
In my version, it says the bottomless pit. Maybe in some other version, it would say the abyss. But abyss is from the word abusos. And abusos was understood as the chaos of the waters. In fact, in the understanding of the people of the ancient Near East and their understanding of the creation of the world, especially if you told somebody from that time, Genesis chapter number 1, where it says that in the beginning uh, God created the, the world, the earth, the heavens and the earth, and it talks about there being water and there was the chaos of the water. right? And that chaos of the water would be seen as something that is against the kingdom of heaven. And so, to speak of the abyss is to speak of things that are against the kingdom of God. Because the abyss was also understood to be where people that had died lived in. In fact, where angels, fallen angels, lived in. Right? And so this angel is given the key to the bottomless pit. In other words, what's going to come from there is going to come not from heaven, but from the bottomless pit. I don't know if you see the, the contrast there. God is seated in heaven. The throne that John sees, and uh, yeah, the throne that, God, uh, that John sees, he sees in heaven. But this angel is one that has fallen from heaven and has been given the keys to their beast. I want you to watch this. You see, every time in Revelation, there is always, the, in fact, there never is the understanding that demons have their own power or their own authority. They always are given that authority. So even this angel has this key, but it is a key that is given to him. Ultimately, all authority is with God. What does he do? Verse number two. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Again, the opening of a shaft of the bottomless pit, you see that in Revelation chapter number 20, when in the millennium or at the beginning of the millennium, the 1,000 year reign of Christ, an angel locks Satan in the abyss. Right? And that abyss again is the bottomless pit. But this angel is given the key to open the shaft. And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then the smoke... Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions over the earth. Now again, when John is writing, he usually draws allusions from other parts of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. And here you find John speaking of things that are spoken of or written by Joel the prophet. Let's stand there, Joel chapter number 2. Joel chapter number 2. And I'm just going to kind of like just read... Through this, because there's so many allusions that we find in our passage that are speaking of uh, Joel chapter number two. So, Joel chapter number two, verse number one Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread. There is spread upon the mountains a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before. No will be again after them. Through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them. And behind them a flame burns. The land is like the garden of Eden before them. But behind them a desolate wilderness and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. And like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the mountains, on the tops of the mountains. Like the crackling of a, of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble. Like a powerful army, draw up for battle. 
drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up, up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice, verse number 11, before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome who can endure it. And so that's a background to what John is writing. It's this vision that Joel has, and really Joel is also talking about locusts. But he's using the image of a locust invasion on a piece of land to be an image of what it's going to be like on the day of the Lord. In other words, on the day that God judges the earth. Right. Let's go back to Revelation chapter number 9. So we're told that the source of these locusts is the abyss. Very simple meaning. The abyss is the abode of demons. In other words, what is going to be unleashed on the earth is something that is coming from the kingdom of darkness. When you're reading Revelation, or when we're reading Revelation... Let's read it on three levels. One, we read it on the level of the understanding of the people that John was writing to. In other words, we should be asking the question, so what did it mean to them? On another level, we should be thinking in terms of the age-old struggle of the church. Because the things that are written in the book of Revelation, they're also things that the church throughout all its ages goes through. But also at the very same time, we should read on the third level and the level of the future. Where the things that are written in John are things that are going to happen in a period he calls the great tribulation. Which he says is a seven year period. And with revelation, uh, you can never be too dogmatic and say it's a literal seven year period. It could just be seven, which means the, 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 the number of fullness of God. That it's in the period of the fullness of God that these things are going to happen. Right? And so even as we read this, let's remember there is an age-old struggle of the church. That demons are loose in the earth. And I believe that the closer that we're getting to the second coming of Jesus, the more we shall see there will be an increase of demonic activity. These things that we're hearing about today, killing people living with albinism, friend, is just the tip of the iceberg. It hasn't really happened. It's going to get worse. And it's very important, my friend, that you understand that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, where Christ is ruling in the heavenlies. But there's also the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the bottomless pit. It's very sad. Some people have come at a point of saying, listen, demons don't actually exist. There's no such thing as demons. They say, well, you know, we've gotten educated. We know that those, you know, uh, those people that wrote the Bible were living like some 2,000, 4,000 years ago. They don't have the technology we have. They don't have understanding of things the way that we understand. They don't have understanding of psychology like we do. So some of the things that they say are demonic, not really demonic. We can chalk them down to something like, well, the person has a psychological problem. Well, it's schizophrenia, they call it. Or split personality. But it's something that can be treated. Friend, listen. Demons are alive. And there's a kingdom out there that is set to stop the kingdom of God. 
Please understand that. As you're living your Christian life, don't think that it's just you and Jesus. A lot of people make that mistake. They think it's just about them and God. No, it's not just about you and God. There is the enemy of God. There is Satan. There are demons that are ensuring that your purposes do not happen. Because here's something that the devil knows. He knows that the moment you start moving in the destiny that God has for you is the moment that he is in trouble. Because the destiny that God has for you is a destiny to spread his gospel, to take his gospel to the ends of the earth so that Jesus Christ can come back again. And the moment Jesus Christ comes back again, the devil is in big trouble. Oh, I'd like for you, I'd like for us to really have a proper understanding of this kingdom of darkness. Or maybe I shouldn't say kingdom of darkness per se, but a proper understanding that there are two kingdoms in the earth. There's the one that we represent that is the kingdom of God that has come by Christ Jesus that we enter into by being born again. And then there is the other kingdom, the kingdom of darkness that is wreaking havoc in the earth. I tell you these demons when they come, they are there to bring chaos. Their source is the bottomless pit. And they have been given power. Watch again verse number 3. It says, Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. Now as we shall see, these, these, these are demonic. Right? These are demonic. But notice, it says that they are given power. Who gives them power? All power comes from God. Hallelujah. All power comes from God. So why is it that God is allowing these demonic beings to have the power? Why can't he just take care of them and that there will be no suffering in the earth? That's the whole point of Revelation. Revelation, the point is to say, listen, all the evil that is going on in the world, God is, has done something about it through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. And through his church that he has left in the earth, he's bringing about his purposes. He's bringing about his justice. That's the whole teaching here. That God is in control and God is doing something about that situation. When all hell breaks loose, demons are loosed. Number two, when all hell breaks loose, demons attack. They attack. We read verse number four. It says, They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. Now watch. Locusts in the natural don't attack people. In fact, the thing that locusts attack is the green plants. is <laughs> the grass and the plants, isn't it? But here we're hearing that those locusts are not going to do that. They're going to be attacking people. In other words, these are demonic or spiritual things. Amen. Right? And the ones that they're supposed to attack are the ones that are the earth dwellers. They are not to attack anybody, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. If you remember again in this book, there's been a sealing of people, of the children of God, before judgments have been passed on. And in our understanding here, our understanding is that before that great tribulation, God is going to seal his people. Just the same way that he did in the Exodus during the time that the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and that he sealed Israel. During the Passover, he sealed Israel with the blood of the Passover lamb. When there was the plague of darkness in the whole of Egypt, in Goshen, there was no darkness. 
Why? Because God is preserving his people. And so these things are going to happen to those people that do not have the seal of God. Listen, demons torment people that are not Christians. Demons torment people that are not Christians. Demons have been unleashed or they're looking for people that are not Christians because the ones that are not Christians are the ones that they can attack. The ones that have the seal of God cannot be attacked by demons. However, let it be said that like Paul says in Ephesians, a believer can open himself up or open herself up to the attack of the enemy. Paul writes to say, be angry but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Neither give ye place to the devil. In other words, when you're angry and you sin, you can come at a point that you open a door to the devil. In other words, sin can open a door or sin opens a door to the devil. And the more that you repeat that sin, the, the, the greater the access the devil has to you. Hallelujah. They have authority. They have authority. They have authority. But their authority is limited against those that have the seal of God. See, this is a reminder to us that we should not play around with our lives. We should not play around with our faith. Because the moment you give in to the enemy is the moment... That the enemy comes in. And when he comes in, when you just give him an inch, he wants to take a yard. When you give him a mile, he wants, he, he wants to get thousands of kilometers of miles. That's the way he works. And so notice, verse number five. He says, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. So who allows them? God allows them. Hallelujah. God is in control. God allows them. And they torment the people for five months. Now here's what they say about a locust invasion. A locust invasion lasts about three, four days. Three, four days. I mean, these things come and they're very destructive and will, will literally eat up any vegetation in that place. In the space of three, four days, they're done. But these ones, it says five months. Now five months... Is the lifespan of a locust. So it's almost like these ones are the kinds of locusts that will do as much damage as they can. So that's what the devil does. That's what demons do. When they come into, their, into your life, they will do as much damage as they can. And he says, verse number six, and in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. It's going to be so painful. It's going to be so painful that people will say, I'd rather die. The torment, the pain of it, of this demonic invasion will be one that people will say, I would rather die, but they will not die. Now I want you to watch this because these are the judgments that God is bringing upon the earth. And so these should be seen in the context of God is answering the questions of the saints in chapter number 5 and chapter number 6 where they say, how long until you avenge us? How long until you bring your justice in the earth? But pastor, this is a very dark message. 
We thought you're going to tell us that things are gonna be, are gonna get better and better. We thought we would sing that song. Things are getting better, better, better. Ah, 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 ah. Not here. Not when all hell breaks loose. When all hell breaks loose, things get worse and worse for those people that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It says in verse number seven there. It says in appearance the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. Now watch this. We're given a picture of these demonic hordes that as locusts, here's what they look like. They are having crowns of gold. Crown of gold was something that was given to a victor, to somebody that has conquered. And so in a sense, they have authority, they have conquered. Amen. Demons have authority. If you don't have the seal, they'll have authority on you. But demons have authority. Demons control people. It says their faces were like human faces. Demons always want to usurp, to take up. The authority that man has, has been given by God. And so they want to take the place of the authority that man has been given by God. So they have human faces. They have hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. Now remember again, we've been given here the, the idea that these locusts were like war horses. They say that the Romans trained war horses. They trained horses for war. They would train the horses to bite. They would sharpen their hooves. They would train them that they would go into battle and they would be fearsome. And they were very large animals. And so the picture that somebody gets during this time is like, this is very, very fearsome. And in fact, they would even sharpen their teeth. The teeth of the, of the horses. And so that when they get into battle and maybe the guy fails to stab you or something like that, the horse can bite you. Says they have hair like women's hair. Now remember again, this is written to an audience in the first century. A Roman audience. Now if there was any nation the Romans were scared of, it was the Parthians or the Persians. With the Romans... They would have short hair. Men would have short hair. With the Parthians, the Persians, they had long hair. And so the picture of war horses, men with long hair, is a picture of the Parthians. I mean, it's going to strike fear in these people because now they have something to connect what John is saying with in terms of their experience. Verse 9, they had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. And there's a lot of noise. Very scary noise. War is happening. Verse number 10. They have tails and stings like scorpions. And their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. Now some commentator says that the Parthians... In fact, the Parthians were the only, pretty much the, the enemies of Rome that defeated Rome a couple of times. 
They defeated defeated Rome in 55 BC and also in 62 BC and 62 AD. And so the Romans were scared of the Persians of the Parthians. Now Persians are Iranians, right? We're scared of them. And one of the tactics that they had, they were really very good archers. They could throw an arrow on horseback. And at several points, they could mount themselves on the horseback, but facing backwards. And it is said that a couple of times, they went up mountains and the Romans came after them, not knowing that these guys have actually turned around and they started shooting and they defeated the Roman army. And again, that's a picture here. That when they, if, they, if these things have their power in the tails, it's like those Parthians, that even when they turn, they seem to be running away from you. No, they're actually attacking you. Very devious. Very demonic. Don't play with demons. Don't play with sin. The moment you allow sin to come into your life is the moment that you're allowing darkness to enter into your life. Oh, but pastor, you know, I'm not really going out there and doing all those crazy things. You know what? Sometimes you don't have to. See, there are two kingdoms. You're either passionate for one kingdom or you're passionate for the other kingdom. There is no middle ground. There's no place where you actually say that. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not going to be praying that hard, but I'm not going to be going out there and drinking or whatever. Listen, which kingdom are you living for? To what have you given your energies to? To what have you given over your resources to? Because whatever you have given over your resources to, the very same thing is the one that you're serving. Church, let's be clear on this one. You're either pursuing hard after God or you are descending into the kingdom of darkness. There are no two ways. There are no two places. I mean, there's no middle ground. You either are pursuing God or you are pursuing the kingdom of darkness. And here the picture I get about these archers shooting, shooting at you when you're thinking they're going up there is just the deviousness of it. You think that you're making progress and you're not making progress because the moment you think you are ascending the mountain is the moment they're shooting you down. Now some of us, some of us had a passion for God. Some of us had a passion for God. It's not there anymore. See, you and I have lied to each other to say that, look, as long as you're not drinking, as long as you're not sleeping around, as long as you're not lying, as long as you're not doing all these things, you're okay. No, you're not okay. It's only as long as you're pursuing the kingdom of God. As long as with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind, you're pursuing him, you're loving him. If that is your case, yes, you're safe. Look at what these demons do. Says verse number 11. They have as king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in Greek he is called Apollyon. Now watch. These demonic beings are not operating in disorder. They have a king. They receive orders. They have a strategy. Have you ever thought about it? That the devil actually has a strategy against you and me. In fact, the truth of the matter is, the devil has files on you and me. 
He has watched the different generations, our different generations, and planted things in the time bombs, in a sense, that are going to mess us up so that we don't move into the destiny that God has for us. And that's why the devil is very subtle. Very subtle. Comes like an angel of light. When he's working, you don't even know he's working. Many times you ascribe it to somebody who has done you bad. No, 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 no. It's not the other person. Behind is the enemy that is trying to stop you from moving into the destiny that God has for you. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. That's who we are wrestling with. Oh, the moment that we wake up, the moment that we start understanding that, listen, this battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not my boss. It's not my friend. It's not all those people. No, 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 no. Behind that is the enemy. The enemy is very well organized. And so the name of the king says in Hebrew is Abaddon. And Abaddon in the Hebrew is like the lowest place on the earth, in the earth, right? Lowest place in the earth. At least you find that idea in the Old Testament. And notice, he is the king of the abyss, isn't it? So this is, the abyss is abyss. <laughs> so he's like low, low down there. See the contrast again. God is seated in the highest of heavens. The devil is in the lowest Lowest place of the bottomless pit. Now, if it's bottomless, it means it keeps going and 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 the lowest low. That's where the devil is. That's the word that is used in the Old Testament. And it says in the Greek is the word, or he is called Apollyon. Now, Apollyon could also be Apollos. Apollos was. Greek God and Apollos was the God of pestilence and plague and uh, his totem was the locust so if you wanted to picture Apollos in a sense you'd use the locust right and there were some emperors that saw themselves as the reincarnation or the, the coming into the flesh of Apollos, Apollyon. Emperors like Carigula, Nero, and Domitian. Now Domitian could be the emperor that is living at this point in time. And so that, if you read this politically, you can be saying, ah, Apollyon, the locust, and that's the symbol of the king. So you're saying that the king is kind of demonic. And that's the other thing that the book of Revelation does. It shows that the kingdoms of this world, the authorities in this world, ultimately under them is the authority of Satan. That political authority, as it is held by sinful men that are against the kingdom of God, is really authority that is demonic. And so in a sense, in Revelation, you have this critique of power. Critique of the government as, as being corrupt, as, as being ungodly. Hallelujah. Ah, this Revelation book, I tell you, is a very political book. 
And so the king of these locusts, of these demonic hordes, is Abaddon, Apollyon. And Apollyon comes from a word in the Greek that means to destroy. So Apollyon is the destroyer. Oh, friend, when you open that door to sin, when you open that door to not loving the kingdom of God, when you open that door to not be faithful in the kingdom of God, you're opening the door of destruction. Oh, does he always come and torment you and do all these crazy things like that? Not if you're a Christian. But he can make you useless in the kingdom. He can make you to have no effect. He can make you not move forward in the destiny that God has for you. Because see, the devil can never stop your salvation. He can never steal your salvation. But what he can do is stop you from being the person that God called you to be from moving into the destiny that you're supposed to move into. Are you moving in your destiny? Is there an obstacle to your destiny? Are you doing the best that you can for the kingdom? So John writes, verse number 12, it says, The first war has passed. Behold, two wars are still to come. Now, if you remember at the end of, uh, of chapter number 8, there was an eagle that shouted that basically said in verse uh, number 13 at the end there it says, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that are the three angels that the three angels are about to blow. So there's three more trumpets in chapter 8. So we've seen one trumpet. And he says, there's still two more trumpets. Verse number 13. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet. Release the four angels who are, who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, that is in response again to the prayers of the saints. Where in chapter number 6 verse 9 to 10. They have asked God. In fact those that were, uh, who were slaughtered or who were muttered for the witness. For the lamb and for the word of God. That their souls cry out at the golden altar and they say, How long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood on the earth dwellers? Now I want you to watch this. <laughs> the souls in heaven, the mattered souls in heaven, they are crying out for the justice of God. They are crying out that God would do something about this situation. Please understand, God is a just God. God will not allow evil to go unpunished. God will not allow evil to go unpunished. Any infraction, anything that is against the law of God, God must come down on it in power with wrath. Otherwise, he won't be a just God. If he's a just God, he must judge. But isn't he a God of forgiveness? Hasn't he forgiven us as, as people that believe in Jesus Christ? You've forgotten. On Jesus Christ was poured out the wrath of God. Remember on the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening? The wrath of God had come upon him. From Isaiah, we hear of the suffering servant. That the suffering servant in Isaiah chapter number 53, who is Jesus Christ. He was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. Isn't it? 
Because we transgressed, because we sinned, somebody must pay for that sin. God will not allow sin to go unpunished. And so his judgment must come on sin. And so when those matters, when those souls of the mattered saints, they cry out before God, how long, how long before you avenge our blood? How long before your justice comes into the earth? They're actually praying prayers that are consistent with God's will, which is, I am going to bring my judgment in the earth. Watch now. Again, verse number Verse number 13, then the sixth angel blew his trumpet and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are, who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now these angels were told they are on the river Euphrates. The river Euphrates was the eastern border of the Roman Empire. Bef- after the... The river Euphrates, that's the land of the Persians, the land of the Parthians. So it's like, when you go beyond that, there's trouble. And so, there are these ones that are standing there, and it's like now, uh, God is saying, okay, let the Parthians come, let the Parthians come, let the Persians come. Release the angels. Verse 15, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. Watch this. This is all happening in God's predestined time. God's hour. I mean, can you see the precision? The hour, the day, the month, the year. God is doing this at the right time. In fact, the demons are doing things at the right time that God has said they should do. (laughs) Hallelujah. May you not have a small Jesus. May you not have a Jesus whose opposite and equal is Satan. The opposite and equal of Jesus is not Satan. Satan is another created being. Satan is under the control of God. And so they are meant to kill a third of mankind. Now I don't know if you've watched this now. That the seals, they affect 25%. The trumpets, 33% a third. And as we shall see, the bulls are going to affect 100%. And so there is a, a progression in the judgments that God is going to be bringing on the earth. But also, there is like a repetition. Because like I mentioned last week, that all these, they take you to the second coming. before, Because before you get to the seventh one of the seal, the seventh one of the trumpet, the seventh one of the bowl, it's taking you to the end of the age. And it says, the number, verse number 16, of mounted troops was 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. 10,000 Times 10,000 and twice that. So 100 million times 2. 200 million. Very big number. And John here says, listen, I heard their number. That was a number that was told me. Now again, to the ears of somebody who's living in the Roman Empire. To hear that there's, there, there's 200 million um, soldiers at the river Euphrates that are ready to get into their country. Oh, it will have struck dread 
they will have been very scared. The Parthians are coming. The Persians are coming. They will kill us all. And so that's the effect of these demonic hordes on the people that are not believers that are in the earth. It's like there's a myriad, myriad, 10,000 times 10,000, 200 million that are going to descend upon the inhabitants of the earth. And he says, verse number 17, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who wrought them. They wore breastplates, the color of fire and sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lions' heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. Now remember again, this is a different picture, isn't it? Of these horsemen, of these soldiers, right? And we see again where they're coming from. Because you see, when he speaks of fire, and, and, uh, and sulfur, these are things that are associated with hell. So, in chapter 19, verse number 20, and even in chapter number 21, fire and sulfur, or the lack of fire, are things that are associated with hell. And then also, the smoke is associated with the abyss. This very same chapter, we're told that when the angel opened up the Shaft to the bottomless pit. Smoke came out. So again here, the source of all these horses or these horsemen is really demonic. Verse number 18. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. By the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. Now, is this literal fire, smoke and sulfur? Uh-uh. Remember, this, these are demonic beings, isn't it? So this is, this is supernatural. In other words, you're talking about spiritual warfare going on here. See, many of us don't even understand the battles that we're fighting. Many of us don't even understand that in the spiritual realm, there are battles that are being fought. We don't understand that in the spiritual realm, there are things that have already, obstacles that have already been put in our paths. Because friend, you and I did not come. Nobody was ever born saved, right? And that even if we trace back into our generations, we'll find there are some familiar spirits. There are some familiar demons going on in our lives before we were saved. And like I said, it's like the enemy has set these as traps in our paths. So you find in a particular family, uh, when the girl, when the girls get married, that marriage never lasts five years. Divorce. Stay single and they're single moms for the rest of their lives. Others stay from one marriage to another marriage. Divorce this one, divorce that one, divorce that one. Running in the family, if you check in the family, that's what is going on. Others, when people get to some certain age, they die. What's happening? Well, there's that spiritual warfare where the enemy has set traps. Where the enemy is ensuring that he finishes you off. And again we hear in verse number 19. For the power of their horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads. And by means of them they wound. Again something coming from the back. Like the Parthians who could shoot turned around on a horse and shoot straight. Very devious. Friends. Demons have power. Satan has power. Power that has come from God. 
He has power. But this power is against those that do not have the seal of God. And they attack. The demons, they attack. I know maybe you're not given to thinking like that, but have you ever thought about it? That there may actually be a demonic attack on your life and you may not know it. Could it be that maybe your, your passion that's not there anymore for the kingdom of God, could it be that the enemy has something to do with it? Could it be that your prayerlessness, you're having no passion for the kingdom of God and the things of God, you're always having an excuse to serve God. Could it be that behind it, the enemy has made sure you have excuses? Do you know there's some things we never have excuses for? Or there are some things we'll sacrifice and we'll ensure that we do. There are some things we'll stay up. We'll stay up all night so that at 3 a.m. we can watch that soccer match or we can watch that basketball game. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. There are some things that we'll say, no, 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 no. It's happening on Friday night. There's this show Friday night. Yet you are tired. But you'll show up at that show. We put you into the kingdom. Friday, let's come together, let's pray. Because as, as Christians, we believe that when we pray, the kingdom move forward, isn't it? Oh, but no. I know, Pastor, I'm really tired. Well, Pastor, listen, tomorrow I'm working, I'm working, I'm working early in the morning. But when there was the basketball match, you were still working early in the morning and you still showed up on time. You could very easily sacrifice for that. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, you will not sacrifice. My friend, I submit to you, the enemy has you. The enemy already has you. Because the kingdom is not your passion. And up until the point that you come to a place where the, your, the kingdom is your passion and you can sacrifice for it. That's the point that you start doing business with God. See, I'm sorry to say, but we have this culturally defined Christianity, isn't it? Where we say, if you don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do that, then you're a Christian. Have you noticed how we, we identify Christians by the things they don't do? The sins they don't do. Oh no, that, that one doesn't do that. Oh, that one doesn't do that. do that. That one doesn't do that. How about if we define Christians by what they do? What if we defined ourselves by what we do? What are Christians? They're witnesses. They're witnesses. They witness for Jesus. So maybe we should start asking ourselves, do I witness for Jesus? No, I don't. Um, I'm not a Christian. Hallelujah. I would rather shock you and you hate me here than for you to show up before God and Jesus and you say Lord Lord and he says get away from me I never knew you because friend the truth of the matter is many of us really are not Christians are not Christians why because if we truly were Christians we would be witnesses and the stinking lousy part is we have we have taken Acts 1 8 you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses and then we say oh you know that power is evidenced by speaking in tongues and so if I speak in tongues, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit to witness. If you are filled, if you speak tongues and you don't witness, we should start asking. You should start asking yourself, am I really 
a Christian? Or uh, is, is this, are these tongues that I'm speaking really from God? Because it must translate into you being a witness. If you're not a witness, if you're not serving him wholeheartedly with your gifts and your talents, friends, you just may be lying to yourself that you're a Christian. But don't you know, Pastor, I put up my hand and I prayed that prayer by faith and so therefore I'm born again. No, no, a prayer doesn't get you born again. In fact, Jesus says, you shall know them by their fruit. You shall know them by their works. If they're works, if they're doing works that are in keeping with the spreading of the great commission. If their first passion if there is the kingdom of God. If their lives are revolving around the kingdom of God. Then you will know that, okay, that one is a believer. When all hell breaks loose, demons are loosed, number one. Number two, demons attack. And then number three, finally, demons lose. They lose. They lose before God. Like I said, God already is seen and shown to be in control. So we're told in verse number 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Now watch this. Even when the judgments came, they did not repent. Now, don't you watch this? Within the judgment of God is really the mercy of God. In fact, these judgments were meant to get these people to say, "Listen, let's let's start, let's turn to God, let's become born again." That was the whole point. That these judgments are coming a quarter first, thirty-three percent first, or second. The whole idea was: Can you watch and see what is going on around you? Can you see the havoc? Can you see the destruction? And can you turn to God now? But these people did not do that. Friend, even the judgment of God, there is mercy in it. Do you know God could have destroyed Adam the very first time that he sinned and said, okay, I'm done with you. So even though he put curses on Adam, he still had the plan of saving the children of Adam. So within his judgment is also his mercy. In fact, when you look at the judgments, the judgments in Revelation are there pretty much so that people can turn to God. But these people did not turn to God. They did not repent of their works. In other words, they still continued doing the things that they were doing. They did not not give up worship of demons. Idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood. You know, sometimes we fool ourselves to say, look, I'm not an idol worshiper. I don't have an idol in my house. Do you know they're very sophisticated idols? Ones you can't even see. See, the thing about an idol is this. It takes the place of God. Where God is meant to be number one in your life, the idol becomes number one in your life. For some people, their idol is beauty, popularity. For others, it's gold money. 
As long as they can climb the corporate ladder and come to the point that they're CEO and they've got the latest whatever and everything like that, they have this prestige. They say, yes, I have arrived, idol. Anything that you put in the place of God, that is an idol. May we crush our idols today. May those things that we put before God and his kingdom, may they come crushing down. Because friend, listen. <laughs> if, they don't crush, if they don't come crushing down in your life, you'll be crushed with them. They did not repent of their idolatry. They did not repent of their worship of demons, of gold, of silver and bronze. Which cannot see or hear, verse number 21. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries. So they never repented of their murders. They still did. They still killed. I don't know if you noticed this in the newspapers yesterday. I think the outgoing EU representative, a German ambassador, offered that, oh, look, that murder of uh, Mr. Njaounju. Njaounju, is it? The anti-corruption guy that was killed. Very much near the state house. And his body half buried. Up until now, there's not really been much progress. Just two people have been thrown into jail. But beyond that, there's not, there's not been an unraveling of any of those things. And it's almost like in this nation, there are some people that get away with murder, isn't it? I remember Chasoa, that young man. There was an inquest up until today. Nobody really knows what happened in terms of nobody has been arrested. And so again, here you have it. They did not repent of their murders. And of course, we're talking about murder at that point, uh, uh, at that level of, of government. But there's also murder that is going on on a personal level. Abortion is murder. Abortion is murder. Oh no, don't you know the, the woman has a right to do whatever she wants to do with her body. Listen, the moment that woman slept with a man and conceived of a child, that child is a human being. That child, as long as fertilization occurred, the biologists tell us life starts at fertilization, isn't it? And so to kill that infant or to kill that baby in the womb, that is murders. And they did not repent of their murders. Says, and their sorceries. The word that is used there is an interesting word because it's a word that means magic portions. Think Zituma. Do you know there's some very educated people that when they go for interviews, they have to go to a singanga and bathe in Manhwala. You'll be surprised. Some people, very educated, have gone to school, still go to the witch doctor, the singanga. What's happening? Inspired by demons. There's this stronghold in your life that has told you that you never move forward in your life unless you do stuff that is from the kingdom of darkness. And so they never repented of their sorceries. And their sexual immorality. Wow. <laughs> We're living in the day of sexual immorality, isn't it? 
And in our schools, the young people are now being trained on sexuality. And sexuality means that, look, uh, you can be homosexual or bisexual or whatever sexual. It's okay. That's just you. Sexual immorality. They never repented of that. Or their thefts. They never repented of their cash gates. They say cash gate is still going on. Huh? It's just that it hasn't been found out yet. <laughs> Some embassy, I think in Ethiopia, there was money that went missing. <laughs> they never repented. Now, is this just talking to those people that are in power? No, 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 friend. For you to come at a point that you're cash gating, you must do it personally. You may be cash getting your guardian's money, cash getting your mother's money, saying that I'm using it for this and you don't use it for that. Money just goes missing like that. And God is saying, you are going to burn like these people because you have not repented. Hallelujah. Very uncomfortable message. Eh? <laughs> but I, I want you to watch this. In all this, God is trying to get his mercy out there. That these people would turn. It's like the cry of John here is, I thought that they would turn. I thought that they would see what has happened to their brothers and their sisters, their friends, their, their workmates, that they, they, they would change. They would say, no, 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 let's not go on that path. Let's turn to God. They do not do that. But you see, right in here, the preaching of the gospel we see going on. Because how can you repent? How can you come into the kingdom of God unless there's a preaching of the word of God? And so that in the midst of all this, there is also the preaching of God, which enables the person that is caught in the kingdom of darkness to come into the marvelous light of the kingdom of God. God is in charge. He's the one that has allowed these demons to operate. He's the one that has given the time. For five months you'll do this. He's the one that has set the day, the hour, the month and the year that these demonic hordes are going to operate. So God is in total control. He's the one that has sealed those that believe in him that they would not be harmed. And friend, maybe that's just it right there. That the whole point of this is to make somebody see but look, today is the day of salvation. That is the day that when you repent, when you walk away from those things, you are going to spend eternity with God. That when you truly say, I'm walking away from my theft, I walk away from the adulteries, I'm walking away from all these things, that God will be serious enough with you to say, yes, come into my kingdom. Nobody has been promised life. Nobody here has a contract with God that you shall expire or die on such such a day. Nobody has. God forbid, but we can walk out, we can walk out of here, get into that bus or whatever it is that we, 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 we come by and die. And the question becomes, if you die in that state and you come before God, Will you enter into his heaven or will you enter into him?
Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.